Welcome to the Promo Cares Radio Podcast, where we share the stories about the good being done in the promotional products industry. From philanthropic efforts to cause marketing to giving programs, these are the people who are inspiring others to improve the world through promo. To learn more about Promo Cares, visit promocares.org. Now, on with today's show. Hi there, Promo Cares Radio people. It is Roger Burnett back in the host chair this week. The Promo Cares Board has been trying to get our brain around how to engage a mental health professional for advice and strategies for coping in the COVID-19 era. We were able to get Dr. Rob Pasek, PhD, to come on and have a conversation with me. Dr. Pasek is a Harvard-trained consulting psychologist and executive coach with over 35 years of practice, and he's had the privilege of helping hundreds of leaders and teams and organizations through his pioneering work in the development of cognitive behavior therapy, emotional intelligence, and he focuses on men in therapy with some positive psychology and family systems therapy thrown in the mix. Uh, He's a researcher, he's a professor at the University of Michigan, and he's a nine-time author, including the book Self-Aware, A Guide for Success in Work and Life. thought his insights were pretty interesting, and I'm hoping that you get some value out of this in the conversation. Give it a listen. All right. So as we said, what we did is we queried our Promo Cares crowd, knowing that we were going to have time to talk with you today. And some of the questions that came from that group included things like, we all went from not knowing what Zoom was to wondering if it was safe to now we all seem to live on this tool. And so what we're wondering is as people start to experience what we're calling Zoom fatigue, yeah. how, do you work, how do you work in managing your way through that given that we've had such a radical change in environment? Well, uh, sort of my idea is to go to the therapist 50-minute hour idea. Okay. And, uh, you know, do, uh, do 50 minutes instead of an hour and use that 10 minutes in between to, you know, I've got a, I've got a little exercise machine down here. And so get on that or at least use the bathroom or, you know, have uh, go outside, get some sunshine, but either, you know, don't, don't schedule hour after hour and try to take breaks in between. I think that that's one way to do it because I notice I do the same thing. I schedule it, you know, three to four or four to five. And, so if you start scheduling 45-minute uh, meetings, usually you get as much done in little time as you do on a longer time. So I would experiment with that. Uh, this is all very new, so I don't really know. But, I mean, the other thing is to set up uh, – I think I've seen some people do it. Maybe even you did it, Roger, standing up when you're talking. Yeah. So don't, uh, don't put the computer down where you have to bend over and uh, hunch your shoulders and all right. that. But stand up uh, – there's even walking uh, platforms that people can walk and do Zoom at the same time. You know, I, those cost a little bit of money, but uh, you don't have to be standing still. And as the weather's getting nicer, uh, you know, you, you could take it outside. Uh, we got a booster for our uh, internet, uh-huh. uh, which I think costs an extra $15 a month from, from Comcast, but enables us to uh, go further in the house and still be able to, uh, to Zoom or to be on the internet. So people could call, I think it came out the next day. So for, especially for business people, that's a good investment from home. Uh, being sure, you know, get an extra monitor. So you look at, you're not looking at a small screen all the time. Right, right, right. Uh, 
Yeah, and uh, I think the hardest thing, I, I know I get distracted when I'm there and I want to look down, but I think people are always looking at me, so <laughs> you can unmute, but you can't unface yourself that easily. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty distractible, so I'm, I'm like double, you know, multitasking when I'm, when I'm Zooming, but then I'm afraid people are thinking I'm not paying attention to them, yeah. which is probably well, true. So, Well, I mean, you can only do so much, and especially, you know, uh, when you think about just traditional fatigue, not necessarily just fatigue from uh, sitting on a video platform. Yeah. If you're, if we, it seems like there's a lot of willingness to want to be a little bit more social using this platform because we're all a little bit more idle. Yeah. So we're backloading a lot of our meetings into the tail end of the day when most of us are our least productive. Right. So when, yeah. when you wait till the end of the day, when you've exhausted most of your available resources from an energy perspective, and then you put yourself on back to back to back calls, I mean, what do you expect is going to happen? Yeah. Just like you said, don't try not to schedule back-to-back calls. If you're using something, I use Calendly to schedule, Mm -hmm. uh, put some times in there, which are break times. Uh, think about when, uh, you know, your bio rhythms go. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty creative in the morning, uh, not so creative in the afternoon. So I like to save my creative time, uh, not to be on zoom because it usually isn't, uh, attracting all of my creative attention. But I also find that being a host of Zoom is really tiring, mm-hmm. uh, that it's a lot harder. It's, hard, it's already hard to manage a meeting, but if you're trying to manage a meeting online and you have to manage the technology and you have to manage who's paying attention and who's not, and uh, this can be really tiring. So after I'm done with one of those hours, I'm, I'm just wasted. And uh, I think that you know people have to be accommodating that if you're going to host, don't, don't host more than one a day. You know, yeah. know, what, know what it does to you. All those kind of things are important. No doubt. I, I, I don't know how other people deal with this, but in my sales career, more, more often than not, especially as I've gotten older, if I'm giving anything that even resembles what I feel like is a sizable presentation, yeah, I can predict a pretty significant adrenaline crash about 15 or 20 minutes after I'm done. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. instead of trying to power through those, I just factor that time into whatever it is yeah. that I have to have going on during the course of the day. And I absolutely will not schedule anything in that post presentation, right. fi- like fine concentration. I just, I can't do it. And I think the same thing should go if you're hosting a web, uh, a zoom meeting, it's, you need to build, build in time afterwards because it really requires a lot of attention to, to do it. It's kind of like, directing an orchestra, you know, and you, you just have to be uh, very attuned. And you also need to really uh, keep track of what the heck you did. So one of the other things I do, Roger, I, I kind of have it here in front of me, but whenever I'm making notes, I draw a line on the middle of the paper. And on the left side is are the notes of what people are saying. On the right side are the things, either the action items I have to do, which I'll circle. Like if I say to somebody, well, I'll get back to you, I'll, I'll circle that. Uh, or if it's something that I want to, uh, to remember, like I've got something that popped in my head and I'll put that at the bottom of the page. So just dividing up your note page. Cause you know, I don't hardly ever read the notes, actually, right. but I do read the action items right. and right. go well, back through there and figure like, okay, I promised Roger, uh, you know, that I'd send him this, this book or whatever it might be. Yeah. So, so I think, you know, finding a good way to keep notes and I like keeping paper notes, me too. Because uh, uh, and, and keep it in one notebook. Because the other thing 
a lot of people who are, uh, are salespeople do. You write things down and you don't know where the heck you put it. And so try to get one notebook, whatever it is, even as the little ones you can carry around where you right. capture everything. I think that helps. Oh boy. You just, there's a whole bunch of people listening right now who just cringed about the slips of paper thing. That's so yeah. like, Oh my God, I got to remember this. Let me write this down. And then you're like, wait a minute. Where did I, where did I put that thing? Yeah. <laughs> Damn oh. post-it notes. <laughs> sure. Okay. Well let's, 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 let's dive a little bit more into maybe um, some of your uh, expertise as far as uh, your background. So uh, one of the questions that came in was what's, what's your position on how the quarantine and the stay ha- stay at home affects people who are both extroverts and introverts. And for those introverts and extroverts, what would be your best advice for them as far as how to try to manage through this whole thing? Well, sometimes, somebody told me the other day that extroverts are having a harder time. Introverts seem to love it because they want to be alone anyway. Uh, and also people who are anxious are actually less anxious because there's more, there's less going on in their life. So it's easier to control uh, their anxiety by managing the stuff at home. Uh, I think extroverts are, are going a little batty because they get a, they, they get a lot of strains from talking to people and, and being with people, not just talking to people. So if an extrovert is at home, that's a bad uh, situation. And uh, I think, you know, you can only do so much in terms of exchanging phone calls and having a Zoom, Zoom cast with friends and, and all that's fine, but it doesn't quite you know, give you the, uh, the same, uh, I don't know what it is. Like, uh, it's almost like you're breathing with the people and getting, you know, getting that rhythm from them. So for extroverts, that's, it's pretty hard. I think those extroverts are, uh, the ones who are going into stores, even though they know they shouldn't be, uh, the ones that maybe stop and chat with people, even though they know they shouldn't. Um, and so, you know, they may be trying to abide by some of the rules, but, uh, also finding that it's, it's a lot harder to do so. Oh, as a, as a card carrying extrovert, I can tell you with certainty that this is a significant challenge. Uh, the dopamine shot that you get with a hug. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is walking real, into a crowded coffee shop where the music's blasted and you think, Oh, I can really work now. This is almost like what I feel like without the, the, the problem of someone be actually being in jail, but in many ways it feels a lot like what going to visit someone in jail is like, like in your presence, but I can't physically touch you and I can smile and be happy and be energetic and all of those things. But I can, I can fill, but I don't really think I can be filled in in this this environment. Right. So um, just trying to find alternate ways to deal with it. And then the other thing that I think that's really interesting, Doc, is my wife's an introvert. I'm an extrovert. I keep going up there to try to get that dopamine shot. And she's like, will you get out of here? I'm trying to work. I'm trying to do like we, we are on separate floors in the house and we both work from home. So when we're in the kitchen, I pretend like I work at a different office and she works at a different office and we're in the break room and I'm introducing myself to her. And then, and then the, I think the other thing that's kind of, there are, you know, there's different problems, but certainly extrovert, introvert, living alone. There's also people, you know, that didn't have a great relationship to begin with. And uh, this doesn't make it any better. It's not like suddenly, you know, your marriage is taking three steps of improvement. It could, I mean, it's an opportunity to things be better, but uh, you know, if you're, if you're not uh, getting along well with somebody, it can really be uncomfortable. Uh, and also people have people, in their houses who are not normally there, like kids that have come home, 
uh, relatives that are stranded. I have my mother-in-law here who's lives in a senior residence, but we brought her here. We get along fine, but it's a, it's a whole different space with three people in it than two. And, and she's 97, so we need to kind of like be on guard if she's okay all the time. I think a lot of people have those kind of unusual circumstances where they're uh, living, either they're living in unusual places or they're, I think it's important to plan, for everyone to plan their day. Uh -huh. So again, on a piece of paper, I think it's, I try to put on one side, this is my intention for the day. And on the other side, my reflections on the day. Okay. So let's say in the morning, like I filled out my intention piece and I said, you know, what would make today a good day? So I looked and I, and I looked at my schedule, wrote that down. You know, I had maybe four hours out of 10 hours, let's say that, that are available that I was going to work. And I thought, okay, this today, it's going to be an important day for me to really stay with trying to work and not have expectations that I'm going to clean the garage right. or that I'm going to, uh, you know, or and maybe it's not the day that I'm going to eat the most healthy because I'm going to need a cookie at three o'clock, you know, you know, what, what's the intention for the day. And then what are the most important things to do? Like, right. Just three, not five, not 10, but the, you know, these are three things that I really must get done today. I need to talk to the person about when the, this is going to be delivered. You know, that it's, we're two days after it, when's that going to come or, uh, or it could be, I, you know, I'm on deadline to Roger. Uh, I've got to be sure to prepare for that talk. So just a couple things to really keep expectations minimum, but but also know what's important. Uh, it's not a time we're probably going to write the great novel or, uh, you know, do the, the amazing uh, thing that we thought we would do in our life. But it's a time to just sort of do what has to be done. And then at the end of the day or the next morning to write reflection. So I always like to think about, well, what was good about today? Say anything good, you know, like, the sun was out or, um, you know, I did get out to the garden and, uh, or I helped my partner with this, or I called my old friend, whatever it might be that you feel good about, or you got a call from, uh, your cousin. And then, uh, you know, what, did you learn anything today? Is there any new lessons that you learned any lessons about life or I, you know, I listened to fascinating coronavirus and I, I wrote a podcast and I learned about some topic that I did. I, I like one thing I heard today was that there may be people who intentionally give themselves coronavirus so that they're immune so that they can work. Wow. <laughs> well, okay. They better be young and healthy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So uh, I, I, I think of it from the perspective of like, let's just say I don't live in an environment that's conducive to me for me to work from home in the first place. I have more people than we have room to allow for quiet places for me to do the work. Yeah. I'm easily distracted. This is causing me some anxiety and some, what usually happens is you start to act negatively towards the people in your environment because you feel like they're the stressor that's causing the problem that then you're then reacting back to them. How do, how do you navigate that close quarter environment when all of those chaotic factors are all at play? Well, I think one thing is, um, you know, you're going to have these sort of kind of clashes with people. I mean, e even with the best intention, you know, somebody put the spoons back in the, the spoon drawer in the wrong way and, or somebody else got into your chocolate or, you know, whatever it might be. So just know that those are going to happen. And, and I think the, the idea has to be, and maybe this is something that everybody in the house agrees to is that we're going to talk this out as soon as we can, uh, and not let it simmer because the things that simmer are the things that are bad. So even if there's a little blow up, well, let's agree ahead of time. We'll take a break. 
let's say it happens in midday, we'll take a break, but we'll get back to it within that day. And we'll talk it through as best we can. If we need a third party involved, we'll do that. But we'll just you keep talking about it and talk about it as soon as the, it's kind of like, I hate to, to, to compare us to dogs, but if you have to um, discipline a dog and you do it after the fact that he pooped on the floor, you know, then it's a little late because the dog doesn't quite understand you talking about it. So the sooner you can do it, the better, but don't do it when you're all revved up and, and your, your, your body tells you you're angry still. You know, if you're still pounding your fist, it's probably not time to go back and talk things out. Yeah. Uh, but, but know that you're whoever, you know, some people are inclined to being angry and that's how they are. That's how they're wired or that's how they're used to doing things. And so it's not a time to think, well, I'm never going to get angry, but to know that when I do, uh, I'm going to talk it out. I'm going to apologize. Apologizing is really important. Uh, a lot of people don't know how to apologize well and, uh, and do those things that are going to just make living a little bit easier. Healthy dose of if you have to put a table and a chair in the shower and close the shower curtain, <laughs> you got physical distancing that you feel like you need in order yeah. to be able to do the work that you need to do. I mean, it's a healthy dose of self-awareness and understanding like, okay, I know this is a problem for myself and certainly these are, these are unusual times that require unusual measures in order for me to be able to do whatever it is that I feel like I'm going to do. So either one, to me, you either have to say, look, I know I'm only going to be at like maybe 40% of my normal productivity. Yeah. So I'm just going to accept that because of the right. circumstances and be okay with it. Yeah. Or I've and got to just, be creative. And it's not just the... Um tension of being close quarters, but people are worried about the future. You know, they don't know what the future is going to bring for their business. Uh, they don't know what their role will be. Are they going to have to face retirement early, the, earlier than they wanted to? Their portfolio is taking a, a big hit. Is it going to recover? So people thought, well, maybe, you know, in 10 years I could be out of here and I could have so much income. And then all of a sudden that's 40% of what it was. And it's a year, it's not four years, 10 years. So I think all of a sudden everybody's safety um, mindset is is challenged, and, and we, what we thought we could take for granted, we can't. And there's a tremendous amount of uncertainty. And you know, unless you're a, a practicing Buddhist, uh, that's not exactly something that that was was part of your mindset. I mean, you know, things weren't permanent, but I think we're <coughs> kind of taught that uh, you know, we can be in control of a lot of things in our life. And this is pointing out that there's a little bit of mythology to that. It's important to every day take stock of the things that you can be appreciative of because, for one thing, if you're thinking about these things, you're probably not sick, and that's something to be appreciative of. So, you know, try to, try to keep that mindset as positive as possible by focusing on that, what, which, is, which you have that other people maybe don't have. So you have 40, you have 60% of X. Well, most people did, never had X, so, right. you know. Uh, keep that in mind, right? Yeah, the the uh, Maslow's hierarchy, right? So we got knocked right off the top of our self-actualization goals that we were all doing because of 10 years of a healthy economy. Yeah. And yeah. we got knocked back to the bottom. And I think, you know, the, the first obvious litmus test is, are you good? Is my family good? Am I good? Are we all good? Right. Past that, now you're climbing the pyramid again. And that's why we feel so much frustration about it. But I think we could get caught up in real small stuff like, where did I put that uh, list of things? I mean, I know I had it around here. and then I, Or uh, yesterday, something got broken in my house. And I, I didn't really need it. It was a coffee grinder. 
you know, if I don't have a coffee grinder, I can get somebody, I go to the, get a store to deliver ground coffee. I mean, but I just got fixated on fixing the thing and, you know, spent hours on it. And I knew the, the helpline would be open today, but I, I was going to get it fixed tomorrow. It was just, I wouldn't normally do that, but it's just like I trying to, you know, these little things that get to you, you know, maybe didn't get to you before. Just know that that's probably the stress of the crisis talking to you. A healthy dose of just being okay with, I know this is not going to be me being the best version of myself for a little while and, right. and being comfortable with, you know, I'm not my best self because a lot of us who are, you know, see ourselves as overachievers, we always want to view ourselves through that prism of, oh, I'm, I'm doing the best I possibly can for myself. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, I just thought of this, Roger, but in a way, it's kind of like when you're sick, you give yourself permission to be sick. Well, in a way, we're kind of all sick right now. I mean, you know, and if you give yourself that kind of permission to say, look, I'm not 100%, I'm not feeling well. I don't have the virus, but you know what? I'm, I'm cooped up or I'm, I'm having to live with somebody I don't want to be with or I don't have my kind of blend of coffee I want or whatever first world problems there might be. Just to know that, you know, like, okay, well, I'm, not, I'm not functioning at my best right now. I am, I, the world is suffering from this virus. We're all sick. And we're in it together and nobody is, nobody is at their best. So that's the other thing is to be tolerant of other people who are not at their best. Gee, Roger, you said you'd get this in, you know, well, it's not in. Well, you know, I'm not at my best. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I'll get it to you just as soon as we can get it there, but sorry, I didn't make it happen. For those of us who have been around long enough to have had the misfortune of having to deal with 9-11, recession, and now this... I know what our reactions were when it came to the other two, knowing that you had clients and people that you were helping during those other two times. What were some of the big takeaways that you had that might apply as people are trying to navigate their way through this one? Or is it just completely different and it requires a whole new set of consideration? I was pretty much involved, uh, much involved with 9-11 because I, I went to New York to work with some of my clients who were in New York. And that was an unusual situation because we didn't know how many, we didn't know a lot of what had happened at first. And we didn't know whether 20,000 people were killed or two or three. And most people didn't know anybody. I mean, it was really a small segment of society that was immediately affected. Right. But we had an enemy. You know, we knew that there was an enemy. Somebody did something bad to us. So it was really easy to focus on, well, let's get back at those people. Well, it's pretty hard to get back at a virus. You know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, there is some tension now to let's blame China. You know, let's uh, we, we, that's our tendency. When something goes wrong, let's blame somebody. It certainly can't be my fault. If I can't find something, somebody must have moved it, right? It There's got to be a villain. Right, right. I didn't put it in my left pocket. Somebody else must have put it in my <laughs> left pocket. So we, we don't have anybody to villainize. We, we, we maybe buy into some of these, uh, you know, far out theories about, uh, it's Bill Gates or it's uh, the cell phone towers or whatever. But so we don't have that. And, and most of us can't understand what the hell is a, is a virus. I mean, it's, you know, uh, I'm old enough to remember polio virus. A lot of people are uh, remember the HIV virus, but these are all the same things that they all can have very, very different effects. And uh, this one is, is, is going to come and it's going to go. Uh, it may take longer. I and mean, polio took, 20, 25 years to, to solve. It was a long time. It didn't affect so many people, but when it did, it was devastating to children. 
So this is just part of life, something we've lived with. And I think that, uh, you know, the other, other piece of the, um, how do you deal with this is some people are going to deal with it much harder than other people. And it may be that some people have had family members who are affected, or some people are just generally germaphobes that are now really going off the wall because they don't know how to keep this germ. It's not even a germ, but they don't know how to keep it away. I just recognizing that we're, you know, there's going to be different ways that people are going to be reacting. Some people are going to be very irrational. I remember after nine 11, uh, one of my, uh, people that I work with uh, was from Japan and nobody could find her for several days and they were worried about her. And finally she showed up and she said that she had um, been hiding because she thought back to world war two, where her oh, parents wow. were and she thought that people were going to blame the Japanese and they were going to, they were going to get after her. Mm-hmm. So she hid up in her apartment. She wouldn't answer her phone for several days. Wow. Well, okay. You think, well, that's pretty crazy, but you know, it's, maybe not so crazy. And so I think that's, that's another lesson is people are going to react differently. I think some of your people who own businesses here, um, there's going to be a lot of uncertainty. If you have uncertainty about your business, imagine the people working, for, you know, do you take it? What kind of tack do you take? I, I believe in being honest with people. Don't give people false hope. If you think, I don't know whether we're going to be able to reopen, or I don't know whether they're going to be hiring you when we are open. Don't say we will reopen, you know, or, or we will reopen. And my mother-in-law, to give you an example, wants to move back to her senior residence. She heard on TV this would be all over by April twentieth. Oh, so she assumed, okay, well, I can start going back home on April twentieth, and she just got it into her head. But she needs to put a date. That's how she functions in her house. She just can't get around it. So we have to, you know, give her things to do, keep her busy, try to keep the TV off. These are, I think, the lessons that I've learned from the the past crises is just be honest with your people. Don't give them false hope, but be optimistic. I mean, you could say, I don't know when we're going to open. I don't know if we're going to be able to, but I'm going to do everything I can to be sure that I take as good a care of you as I can within my limits. So those kind of messages, I think, are important. Yeah, it's it, uh, it, it, your your ability to handle the fact that something is going to be different than it used to be, whether or not that different is going to be better or worse or the same really yeah. remains to be seen. But it's the notion of, I don't know what it's going to be, but I know it's probably not going to be like it used to be. Yeah, you, you asked about uh, external, I bet extroverts and introverts. Yeah. I think another personality dimension that's that's even more important is people who are highly structured and the people who are very flexible Mm -hmm. and we're again very wired in that way so some people uh every day looks the same they 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 get up same time they have the same breakfast they uh, exercise at the same time They, they they thought of as very disciplined people yes and uh there's other people that no day looks the same. Every day is like, well, what's what's the day going to bring? I, you know, maybe I'll have Cheerios. Maybe I'll have cream of wheat. I, maybe I won't even eat breakfast. I don't know. <laughs> and I think that, again, that's a dimension. It's not the same as introvert and extrovert because you could be extrovert or introvert and still on one of those dimensions. Sure. But the people who are uh, structured uh, are probably going to have a lot more trouble right now because the, 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 their work, their uh, – daily life, church, uh, whatever it is, provided structure 
Now all of that is gone, and, and they're going to be really working hard to recreate it. But tomorrow may be different than today, so can they recreate it? You know, maybe, maybe the governor has changed the rules again, or maybe uh, somebody has taken sick or whatever it might be. So I think or, that... Or maybe the virus will be back. Or maybe the virus... Yeah, exactly. It, yeah, which, which they're predicting it, it will periodically. I mean, that we're going to be living much more in an uncertain age over the next at least several months and maybe years, who knows? The flexible people probably can roll with that a little bit easier. They'll, they're more uh, what I call adaptable. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's not necessarily they're better. It's just that, you know, they're, they're, uh, they, can, they can roll with it easier. They're not going right. to get as upset if their routines are uh, disrupted. So you might want to think about, as you're listening to this, where are you on that dimension? Are you highly, uh, you know, people called you OCD <laughs> right. or they called you ADD, you know, right. Uh, right. the ADD people might actually be better in this situation than the OCD because they're used to making it up as you go along. Yeah. Their distraction levels are off the charts. So their dopamine is just like uh, Pavlov's dog right now. They're just hitting that button left and right. Yeah. Yeah. I'll figure it out. You know, like if I could, you know, I don't need to know what time I'm going to do something. I'll do it when I get to it. Other people like, tell me what time it is. And, you know, they, they, they can't add anything to their schedule. You know, they, they, they don't like it when something's disrupted. And again, I think people are divided in that way. Half, there's half people that are one way, half the other. And, you know, that's even as, as powerful, I think, as the extrovert introvert dimension. People who make their bed in the morning versus people who don't make their bed in the morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But just being okay. okay. Yeah, that's, that's not as bad as people who don't even know where their bed is. In, in the bed. <laughs> right, 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 right. Or won't let anyone sleep in it because that will mess up the sheets. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> uh, well, I'll sleep so, next to the bed. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So uh, one of the other uh, questions that came in as we're starting to wrap up here, and I wanted to thank you so much for coming on and, you know, being the voice of calm and uh, what is a very chaotic time. People in general, for business owners, for entrepreneurs, what, where are you pointing people from a resource perspective when people are looking for that kind of stuff? The best resources are probably your own friends and your own network because you have relationship with those people. So, and again, there's some people that are very connected to other people. They, they, they know a lot of people that own similar businesses. They can talk to those people. There's other people that probably run their businesses and they don't never share anything with anybody. And that's harder. But I think connecting to people that are like, you know, in, in similar situations, maybe uh, if you own a business and you don't know other people that own exactly the same kind of business, but they own a dry cleaner or a coffee shop or whatever or that are going through the same kind of thing. Try to find resources that, uh, you know, might be available, but also look at opportunity. I think that sometimes I just want to leave with this. It's, these times of great change can be devastating for some, but there can be great for others. And the optimist might think, you know, after every tragedy, after World War II, we had a boom. After the Depression, we had a boom. Uh, so there's going to be a boom after this. And if you could kind of think about redoing your business and looking at the opportunities, kind of predicting what's going to be out there after all this. So for example, after World War II, somebody figured out there's going to be a lot of houses that need to be built. So they got into the building business. And those t- you know, somebody else thought, there's going to be a lot of televisions. I'm going I'm to open a television store. So those are the people that thrive during those times. And I think, again, you have to kind of think about it. Well, how can I reinvent myself? It doesn't mean I either do my business or I have to retire. You know, there may be other things that you could do. You know 
like for example, you're a good salesperson. Well, there's a lot of things you could sell. And what is the, what are, where are the sales uh, people going to be needed when this thing starts to uh, get better? You know, so I think that look, looking for those opportunities is very important too. The classic abundance versus scarcity mindset raises its there you go. once again, right? So there you go. many of us are energized by the possibility of what the future could hold while we're also very concerned about what the present is giving us. But if you have a ability to look at the horizon now and stay focused on where we're going to end up, not so much on what is a very bumpy ride right now, I think that will help a lot of people. But to your point, I think it's the hardest when you create an expectation like your mother-in-law did, regardless of whether it was accurate or not. Right. When you're let down by your own, maybe even incorrect musings that you've come up with that now you have to start the whole process all over again. And that is, there's a a, uh, story. I think it's from good to great about, uh, uh, I forget who it is, but it's an Admiral Stockdale is the name. And, uh, he was prisoner of war for a long time. And he said that the, the prisoners who survived and did the best were the ones who were optimistic, but not expecting that things were going to get better at a certain time. And they faced the brutal facts that they didn't know when it was going to get better, but they knew eventually they were going to get rescued from this. But if they started to think, oh, the rescues were coming for Easter, you know, and then it didn't happen, those people got really depressed and struggled. So you, you don't know when it's going to be, but you have to kind of think, you're going to look back and think, well, this was a time and space. Like, for example, if I asked you, what were you doing in 1984? You know, like, you probably can't remember, but there probably were significant things, but 84 passed and you can't distinguish it now that much from 94. So if you survive and you don't get sick, <laughs> you know, th- this will be just a, a spot in time. It's not going to be necessarily a, a, a period or a, uh, an exclamation point. It's just going to be a, a time. Excellent. Well, I think we'll leave it right there. There's, there's hope, there's the future, and we just have to, keep ourselves together as we get through this and get back at it. Dr. Pasek, I'm very appreciative of your time and I'm really glad that you were able to spend some time talking to us. Okay, Roger. Well, good luck and uh, we'll talk soon.